Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 45 of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. December has begun, and here's your friendly reminder, everyone. Championships are not won in December. And unlike what many fans want to believe, champions are not lost in December either. So Seton Hall fans, relax. I know it's not looking good right now. Give it time. Be patient. There are a lot of new players on this team, a new coaching staff, a new system, new expectations, different philosophies. Let's see where this team is in another month in January and February. I guarantee it's not going to look anything like it does now. And if you don't believe me, remember back to last December when Seton Hall beat Texas in the Big East Big 12 Challenge and they were riding high? That team that beat Texas looked like a Final Four contender, looked like a Big East championship caliber team. Fast forward to March when Seton Hall played TCU in the NCAA tournament. Tell me what that team looked like. A lot can happen from December until March. We've seen it time and time again. Relax. Now, on the flip side, we know where Rutgers was last December in the same position that Seton Hall is now. And look where Rutgers ended up. But right now, they have it rolling. Indiana, the team that Rutgers fans love to beat, came into Jersey Mike's Arena. There's no other way to put this. They got slapped, okay? Thank you, sir. May I have another? Thank you, sir. May I have another? That was the scene at Jersey Mike's Arena. They outmuscled, outwilled, outhustled, outrebounded the Hoosiers. Who's your daddy? That's a rhetorical question. Just ask Mike Woodson, the Indiana coach himself, what he thought about his first trip to Jersey Mike's Arena. We just got out tough tonight, I thought. I mean, from the beginning to the end. I mean, we couldn't rebound the basketball with him. I thought that was the difference in the ball game. And hell, it, that was the cushion that they needed because I thought from an offensive standpoint, you know, even though we missed shots, they weren't running off anywhere. Our defense was decent, but it was just the extra opportunities for them that they gave them, that put them in the position that they were in. We just, they out-toughed us, I thought. Coach, how much does this building and this crowd play a role in your team's performance or your team's performance? Again, this is my first trip to Rutgers. It wasn't real pleasant. You know, they, they got great, great fan support here. Um, you know, I mean, that's just how it is in the Big Ten. Everywhere you go, everybody supports their school. I'd say that was unpleasant. That's putting it mildly. It's now six straight wins for Rutgers over Indiana, eight of nine going back to 2018. And that includes two games in Bloomington and two on a neutral court. So look, they're not all in Piscataway, folks. Caleb McConnell was a star in this game. This guy is back. He has been a warrior. He played 35 minutes against Miami and another 37 versus Indiana. 
He's putting out numbers. 16 points, six rebounds, and four assists in that loss to Miami. Rutgers played well on the road, but not well enough. And then he turns around with a double-double, 16 and 10 against Indiana in a game where Cliff Amore was in foul trouble and fouled out with just six points. If you had told me before this game that Cliff Amore was going to be a non-factor, was going to be on the bench for much of the first half, and was going to foul out of that game with six points, I would say Rutgers had no shot. But there are moments like these when we saw Paul Mulcahy, an absolute warrior, fight through what has been a nagging, hurtful shoulder injury that had him miss several games in a few weeks, all right? He was cleared to play. He was out there battling, giving Rutgers everything they could. That's a leader. That's a veteran. That's a captain. But they paved the way for the freshman, Derek Simpson. You talk about a tale of two halves. You talk about an arrival in the Big Ten. Derek Simpson couldn't hit the side of the rack in the first half. He was 0 for 6. And then all he did in the second half was score all 14 of his points. He shot 5 of 7. He was drawing offensive fouls that were upgraded to flagrant ones. He was confident. He was electric. He was the MVP of that game. Yeah, great to see Derek Simpson, the pride of Lenape High School, doing big things already as a freshman. And as I said, great to see Paul Mulcahy out there. Rutgers is healthy for the first time this season. I know he's not 100%, but he's able to play. They are at a full roster for the first time this season. And they're going to need that roster against Ohio State on Thursday. Rutgers, as we know, is in the midst of one of their toughest stretches of the season. We've been talking about it. You know about it. Five games against Miami, on the road, home to Indiana, at Ohio State, and home to Seton Hall and Wake Forest. Rutgers is 1-1. One and one. We said beforehand, 3-2 and two was the goal. Very attainable. Now, we're going to skip ahead from this Ohio State game. We're going to jump right into Sunday's matchup because that's what college basketball fans at Rutgers and Seton Hall are talking about this week. I know the players are looking at Ohio State, but this is my podcast, and we're going to talk about Rutgers and Seton Hall, two rivals that are squaring off in the Garden State Classic Sunday night, 6.30 at the rack. Jersey Mike's Arena. Let's look at a little recent history. These two teams have split the last four meetings, all won by the home team. No road team has won since Seton Hall in 2015. The stage is set for Sunday night, right after football, well after the World Cup. College basketball will take center stage right here in New Jersey in Piscataway. And to get things kick-started for Sunday, we need to talk to a man who knows a thing or two about Rutgers and Seton Hall, this rivalry. He played in five of those contests over two seasons on the banks of the old Raritan. Former Rutgers star Jonathan Mitchell, who these days, he is enjoying the sunshine of Central Florida at Stetson University. He's an assistant coach there for the Hatters. Jay Mitch, 
been a long time since I had the pleasure of covering you at Rutgers, and it's great to see you again. How are you doing over there? Brian, first and foremost, I want to thank you for the opportunity to jump on your podcast. Um, all is well. It's been too long since we connected, but via Twitter, you know, we can always stay connected that way. And um, you reached out to me about hopping on this podcast, and I'm super excited to um, share some of my thoughts on the Rutgers-Seton Hall rivalry and uh, looking forward to that game on Sunday. Yeah. So, so you know, you mentioned Twitter. Before I forget this, every day we all have people that we follow on Twitter and we have followers and, you know, things come up on our feed. And one of the best tweets that I see every day, I have to give you credit here, Jay Mitch, is when you have those prayer signs, the prayer emojis, and it says, thankful and blessed. And it makes my day. It shows up on my feed every day. So thank you. And where did that come from? It's just something I started, you know, when I was playing in Europe, you know, 2011, just being over there. And um, it was kind of my way to stay connected with people, people and for people to know that I'm OK. You know, so you see that every morning um, and I'm huge in my faith. So I just said, you know what, I'm just going to start this thing every morning, thankful and blessed with the prayer emojis. And it's kind of stuck with me. And I, I try to do it every morning as soon as I open my eyes. Yeah, I love it. And and you can give. Coach Mitchell, a, a follow on Twitter. What, what's the Twitter handle? It is uh, jmitch underscore 24. So there you go. jmitch underscore 24. Give him a follow on, on Twitter and see what he's up to at Stetson. Before we get to Rutgers and Seton Hall, and there's so much to talk about as they get ready for their game on Sunday, let's talk about Stetson because you have reunited with uh, the head coach there is Donnie Jones. And Correct. Coach Jones was an assistant at Florida under Billy Donovan when you were a player there, correct, for for two years? That is correct. So um, I've known Coach Donnie Jones since I was a, around 16 years old. Um, he actually recruited me to the University of Florida. Mm -hmm. And um, just me being in Florida once I graduated and playing overseas, when he was the head coach at UCF, we used to always run into each other at restaurants, eating dinner, you know, just at the magic games. So we always kept our relationship via Facebook through that time. Um, and he always told me, um, you know, I love you. I love who you are. I love your character, who you are as a person. So I think you'd be great in this business. So whenever you're ready, I will give you an opportunity and I'll help you get into coaching if, if that's something you want to do. And um, obviously he was out that year as a head coach when I was a GA at Georgia for Tom Crean. Um, he was at Dayton. So when Stetson came calling for him in 2018, 19, he gave me an opportunity to be an assistant after just one short season as a GA. So I'm forever thankful for, for Coach Jones and um, all he's done for me and my family. Yeah, you know, when, when uh, my, my dad used to always say success is when preparation meets opportunity, you were preparing for this moment. And uh, the opportunity arose. So what is it like life as a Division I assistant coach? It, it's everything I dreamed of it being. Um, it's a grind, but I love it. And um, for me to have the opportunity to help impact kids is what I want to do. I'm in the kid business. Um, I want to help these boys, as we, as we say, develop into men, right? And I want to help show them the way because I was a former player not too long ago. I sat in those same seats and those same meetings. So just to share my experiences and um, my knowledge of the game is my why and why I wanted to get into coaching. 
I love it. You know, giving back to a game that's meant so much to you over the years from when you were, you know, in high school in Mount Vernon and New York State Gatorade State Player of the Year. Spent two years at Florida, then two years at Rutgers. So now you're at Stetson. The team is currently four and three. Uh, you picked up some pretty good wins this season. One over Florida State, first time you knocked off the Seminoles. And I know they're not the same Florida State is in years past, but listen, it's Florida State. First mm -hmm. time Stetson beat them in 47 years. That was before you were born, coach. That's that's a long time. What was that like? Oh, it was it was it was monumental for our program, Brian. Um, it was just one of those things. We we gave our guys so much confidence going into that game, and our preparation was at an all-time high, and our guys were locked in. And we didn't know Florida State was gonna have the record that they have today. We know they're a great program, a lot of a lot of history, a lot of success, and they have. Let's be honest, you know, five star players, top one hundred, top fifty, top twenty players. Right. So, from a talent standpoint, um, they had a little bit more than we did, right? But we tell our guys every time, every day, once the ball is thrown up, all that stuff goes out the window. You have to play the game, and um, our guys did a great job in scouting. And um, we were able to come up with a road win. So that was huge for our program. And then, if that's not enough, you know, it's easy to suddenly have a letdown in your next game. But then you play another Florida rival in Central Florida. And you follow that up by, or South Florida, I should say. Mm -hmm. And you, you beat the Bulls on the road and another big one. Yeah, no, I mean, hey, we, we, we try to label ourselves as the giant killers, you know, in the state. Mm -hmm. But no, um, that's another great program with, with a lot of tradition and success. We just, um, our guys' confidence was so high from that Florida State game. They just felt like, hey, man, we, we can go up here and beat these guys too. And hey, to give our guys credit, they executed the scouting report again and we made shots and um, we shared the ball and we played for each other. So how were things setting up? Uh, I know you still have some games to go before you get into conference play, but uh, give us a little synopsis of where things stand in the Atlantic Sun and and the state of Stetson's program right now. Yeah, we we're in year four of our program, and um, I think now we're finally to the point where we have all our guys. You know, we recruited all we recruited all thirteen guys here. Um, we have some veteran guys that have been in our system and our culture for a few years, so we think now we are reaping the benefits of having older veterans that have been in the program for multiple years. And, um, you know, our first year we had success. Um, we were tied for first place with four games to go with a whole bunch of freshmen. And then, um, you know, that freshman wall hit. So we, we kind of we dropped four straight, right? And then we had COVID. So that, you know, hindered our, our season. And then the year after COVID last year, which was still that COVID hangover. So we think finally with a full spring, a full summer and fall, like this is like year one for us in, in regards because we finally had a full year of no shutdowns. Um, we were all able to be out in the court together. So we feel good about the direction the program is taking. And um, the A-Sun is a tough conference. We just added in a few great teams. We added in Queens College, which was a Division II powerhouse for years. They're in our conference now when Austin P just joined our conference. Mm -hmm. So we really in EKU joined last year in Bellarmine and Bellarmine won our league last year. You know, so the A-Sun conference is 
is no slouch and you have to come to play every night or you'll get embarrassed and you'll get exposed. And um, we feel that we should be right there in that upper echelon when it's all said and done this year. Um, as long as we stay healthy and as long as our guys continue to buy into the culture and what we're preaching every day. And you need leaders, like you said, you need guys who understand what you expect from them and uh, that will bring the younger guys along. So it, it, it's all there. It's all there, Jonathan. So we're here with Jonathan Mitchell uh, joining us on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, who uh, spent two years at Florida before transferring to Rutgers. And back then you had to sit out a year, Jay Mitch, uh, not like now where you go to that transfer portal and you're, you're eligible immediately. So uh, you played at a time during Rutgers when Seton Hall and Rutgers played each other twice a year. And as we look ahead to Sunday's game, what type of memories do you have of, of that rivalry when you guys used to go up against each other twice and battle each other in the Big East uh, night in and night out? As I said, you faced them five times in two years. I just remember, Brian, just that week prior to the game, just the hype and just the, 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 the atmosphere and the adrenaline you felt. You know, everyone was talking about it on campus. Um, our head coach at the time was Fred Hill. He, 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 he's a Jersey guy. So he used to always just talk about the importance of this rivalry, you know, the, the battle of the turnpike, you know, mm -hmm. it was huge for us. And, you know, we took pride in that. And um, funny, I looked up my record last night, man, I was two and three against those guys. So that's <laughs> not the best percentage, but we did beat them when it mattered. My last game against Seton Hall at the garden in the big East tournament. Um, we, we were able to get those guys um, in an overtime thriller, but, no, that rivalry is something that, you know, it's up there with the Duke and Carolinas. That game just brings something different. Um, I just think the atmosphere, the uh, the anticipation of the game, like I said, it doesn't matter how good those teams are or how poorly they might be playing at the moment. That game always goes down to the wire. And that game that you mentioned at Madison Square Garden, I remember being at the Garden, all right? Both of you were in the lower echelon of the Big East. The Big East had 16 teams at the time. Seton Hall was a 12 seed. You were a 13 seed. You guys were in control of that game late. Then Jeremy Hazell hits a long, a deep three-pointer to send the game into overtime. Mm -hmm. uh, that was Mike Rice's first year as head coach. Kevin Willard was on the other sideline. You took that game over in overtime at the free throw line. You ended up with 25 points. I believe you had eight free throws in overtime. It's not that long ago, Jay Mitch. What Do you remember the shot? Do you remember the talk during the huddle and how you guys were able to stay composed in overtime and pull out that victory, even though they seemed to have the momentum? Yeah, yeah, Brian. Just thinking about um, getting on this podcast and thinking about some of those memories. And, yeah, I do remember I went 11 for 14 from the free throw line that game, so I'm kind of – Kind of, kind of bothers me a little bit. I miss free free throws there, but um, I remember hitting a big three. I can't remember if it was in overtime or regulation to tie the game. I think it might have been in regulation. Hit a big three, and I just said to myself and my teammates, you know, this is it for me. You know, this could be my last game. I'm not gonna go out like that. And if I do, I'm gonna go out on the sword. You know, I'm I'm gonna leave. I'm going to leave the clip empty, as they say. I'm not mm -hmm. going to hold back. I'm just going to play as hard as I can for as long as I can. And that was uh, Coach Mike Rice's theme that year. And he always told us we have to be comfortable in chaos. 
And um, that's something that stuck with me to this day. And you, you never can let the moment get bigger than um, the opportunity. So I just always just kept that in the back of my mind. And I just willed my team to a win. Were there guys that you went against? Herb Pope, Fuquan Edwin. I know Jordan Theodore was a gamer as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you had Gil Baruta, who was young, mm -hmm. uh, Mike Colburn, James Beatty. Were there any guys on that other sideline that you just despised? We all New York, New Jersey guys. So it was one of those things where we grew up playing against each other in AAU. We were familiar with each other's games. We've known each other for a long time. And to this day, Jordan, the Jordan, Theodore, Jordan, Theodore and I are, are, are close friends. You know, we stay in contact. We both played overseas. I believe he's still playing over there. Um, so, yeah, no, there were always battles. And her Pope always brought the best out of me. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, his, his toughness and his tenacity and um, his physicality always just brought the best out of me because he always tried to get in your head. So it was one of those things, you know, sometimes you're looking for that edge during the game to get you going. And uh, it seems like her Pope always knew what to say to, to hit a switch with me. Yeah, un unfortunately for his case, uh, he also knew how to, you know, physically get under people's skin as well. Do right. you do you recall any trash talking that would take place, and and you know maybe some some famous lines that were said back and forth or moments? No, not off the top of my head, but I mean, there's always you know a little drawing back and forth in the game, and I've been in a lot of games, so I can't pinpoint a quote or or different line, but no, I'm sure there was some some banter back and forth on both sides, but, you know, nothing disrespectful. Um, just two teams competing, trying to represent the state of New Jersey. And what you're saying now is that rivals yesteryear, you can be friends with guys who wore blue to this day. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, we play this game, you know, for our families. Um, and, the, and this game has done a lot for us. You know, it's taken us places we never dreamed of. Um, it, it helped us get a free education. And it um, we, we're able to travel the world playing, playing a child's game, you know. So that's something that's that we'll never forget. And those memories and those opportunities to travel the world is something, you know, that, that will last with you for a lifetime. Yeah, and, and, and they clearly do. What, what was your playing days like overseas, over in Europe? You know, you played in a lot of different places, including Iceland. Yeah, no, I was fortunate enough when when I graduated in 2011, it was the NBA lockout, right? So everything was kind of on a halt for a while. Um, so I went right to Europe my first year, and I went to Spain, and I was about 45 minutes from Barcelona in a, in a little tourist town called Tarragona, and um, it was a great club with a great tradition. And it's funny, um, a few guys in the Big East were in that league coming out with me. So it was pretty cool. I, I remember off the top of my head, Antonio Pena played at Villanova. Yeah. And um, he, he's another New York guy. So um, just to be over there with him, one of my, not one of my teammates at Florida, but another Florida national champion, he graduated a year before I got there, a guy named Adrian Moss. He played in the same, um, in the same league. So it was, it was pretty cool. And like I said, again, the basketball, you know, we're all in that fraternity together and to be able to play against guys that I grew up with or I know in different countries are, are pretty cool. No doubt. Speaking of Antonio Pena, let's go back in time to one famous four point play 
mm. that you hit at the rack. We're going to call it the rack because it was the rack. It's always the rack. You're exactly. You're down three to Villanova. They're top 10 in the country. And you hit a three with about one second left and got fouled. You hit the free throw to win. What do you remember from that moment, that game, and having the ball in your hand and making, let's face it, what, what is a, a, an opportunity of a lifetime, a four-point play? Well, there's two things that pop right off. One, I left too much time on the clock with point eight. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, um, hitting that shot was like the defining moment for me. You know, it was like all my trials and tribulations, all the pain of, you know, not working out at Florida, transferring, sitting out, just going through the process. And that was just one of those moments where, you know, I just let out a big yell, you know, patted, you know, beat my chest. And it was, I just felt that adrenaline and um, kind of a relief, you know, like, this is why, this is why I came to Rutgers, you know, for moments like this, for nights like this. And then I'll never forget our assistant coach at the time was uh, Coach David Cox, who was most recently at the, the head coach at Rhode Island. Now mm -hmm. he's the associate at Maryland. They called the timeout to try to ice me after I, hit, after I got fouled. And he just came up to me and goes, hey, Jay Mitch, you did the hard part already. Now let's just go hit the free throw and let's go home and celebrate. You know, so those are moments that, you know, I don't even know if to this day he remembers that, but those are moments that live with me for a lifetime. And the Rutgers Nation was on fire that night um, to be the top 10 team at home. Hey, we, 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 we manifest this thing, right? You see now Rutgers now, they take down top 25 teams at home, right? Routinely, routinely. It, have you it's seen like, some of their games like the Indiana game and or Iowa last year or Purdue? I know you're busy coaching, but obviously you're following them. I try to watch every game. If I don't watch it live, you know, since I'm a coach, we have all the software, to, the video software. So I always try to download the clips and I always try to watch every single game. Um, I love the direction the program has taken, hiring Steve Peichel and his staff. Um, he's the right guy for the job. He's exactly what we needed. And to be honest, me transferring there, this is what I saw. You know, I, I knew this program had the potential to be great. We're right there in the tri-state area with great academics, and it's the state university. And um, I just knew with the right person at the helm, the right person running the ship, that this program would flourish with the right leadership, with the right dedication, with guys with, that would believe in Rutgers. So, I'm just sitting back now, man, just saying, hey, I helped lay that foundation, transferring from Florida, from a national championship team, from mm -hmm. the number one team in the country. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm excited, and I can't say I didn't see this coming. Yeah, you're you're right. You're right. We've always thought of Rutgers as this this sleeping giant, this potential. It And they went through many coaches and many players, but it took the right guy at the right time Steve Peichel is that right guy at the right time with his staff that he's put in place and the players that buy into him. You sound very proud as a Rutgers alum, Jamie. Very proud, very proud. And um, I was able to get a little care package from those guys. And, you know, I got to represent my R, man, at all times. So I see that. I see that block R. That's beautiful. So that is awesome. That is awesome. So I'm, I'm so happy as an alum and I'm so proud of the university and um, the direction the, the program is taking. But they're not done, you know. 
this this is just the first step and we have bigger dreams man we want a national championship we want a final four so um more pressures on those guys now to keep that thing going and and now that you see yourself as a coach and it's coming full circle for you how much are you enjoying this and also let's face it you know you're you're a young dad uh married with three three children who are three years and un younger it's a big juggling act for you. How much are you enjoying life right now as, as this side of things? Coach, father, parent, husband? I, I love it. Um, the one thing my boss, Coach Donnie Jones, preaches to us is um, value your time, right? Like, don't just sit in the office all day. Go go be with your family. Go be with your kids. Spend time with your loved ones. Um, it's a work-life balance, right? You have to be organized. You have to have time management. And you have to um, prioritize, right? You can't do everything in one day, right? And and that was where I struggled early because, you know, I was a young assistant, um, hungry, want to prove myself, um, poor, hungry, and driven, as I like to say. So it, it just took me some time to kind of figure that balance out. But now it's rolling, you know, and um, I'm able to get on a podcast with you and share some stories and memories and, you know, this afternoon I'll be out on the road recruiting, you know, so it's all about balance and prioritizing the things that's important to you and um, your core values. Fantastic. And we appreciate you taking time out of your your morning, Jay Mitch, to come on the podcast. Last question. I, I, I have to ask you before you go. I know who you're picking to win on Sunday. Stetson is not playing on Sunday, but when <laughs> Rutgers and Seton Hall are tipping off at 630 at the rack. Will you be able to watch? And what is your prediction for the game? I would 100% be able to watch. And my prediction, come on, man, the block <laughs> R all day long. Yeah. Um, I don't have a score prediction, but, hey, as long as we're one point ahead, that's all that matters. That's right. Score more points than the other team. And and it, it's, it's going to be awfully difficult for Seton Hall to go in there and walk away with a win it's awfully difficult for any team in this day and age, whether they're number one or number 360, to go in there and walk away with a win. Jay Mitch, thank you so much. Uh, I'm going to take a line from you. We are thankful and blessed to have had you on this podcast. I wish you uh, continued success at Stetson. We'll be following you in the A-Sun throughout the year, and we appreciate the time this morning. Thank you. Brian, I appreciate your time, and I appreciate you reaching out to me via Twitter. And um, I look forward to listening to this podcast and all your other podcasts and um, look forward to stay connected along the way. Amen to that. Have a great day. You as well. All right. The great Jay Mitch, Jonathan Mitchell. Give him a follow on Twitter. He is doing great things along with Donnie Jones down there in Stetson. And you heard it. You know, when he went to Rutgers, he thought he was going to be a part of what is happening today. He knew it could happen there. Probably didn't think it would take this long, but there's no lie, all right? Big things are happening at Rutgers, and Jay Mitch was a part of that not so long ago. All right, before we go, we're going to go around the tri-state. Right now, who's the top dog in the Big East Conference as we approach conference play? It's not Creighton. Not right now. It's UConn, the only unbeaten team in the conference at 9-0. The Huskies taking care of business against Oklahoma State. Adama Sonogo, Jordan Hawkins, those are the stars on this team, and they shine brightly. 
Hawkins with a career-high 26 points. He was 5 of 9 from 3, and this kid is just starting to dip into his potential. We'll see if he can start to bring it night in and night out. That's the challenge for him. We know Sonogo brings it night in and night out. He's the one that landed the body blows. 20 points, 6 rebounds, Mr. Inside, Mr. Outside. The Huskies are now number 5 in the top 25 poll. That's their highest ranking since 2011. They're going to travel to Gainesville and take on Florida. It's not a Florida team that is winning national championships. I expect UConn to win that game. I expect them to be 11-0 by the end of the week, getting ready for their Big East opener at Butler December 17th. How about Princeton? The Tigers are 7-2. They have won seven straight since opening the season 0-2, and Mitch Henderson has this team trending up. They just beat Lafayette. Ryan Longborg tied his career high in that one with 19 points. He can score. Matt Alaco can score. They have one of the best big men in the tri-state with Tosan of Woma. NBA scouts are looking at this guy. He is the preseason player of the year in the Ivy League. He had a double-double last week over Maris, 16 points and 13 rebounds. You don't want to play this Princeton team. They've got Monmouth at Saturday, and good for them. A couple of New Jersey teams getting it together and getting together on the court. We'd love to see that. And if Princeton wins that one, as I think they should, Monmouth is struggling at 1-8, and eight, although they just beat Manhattan, so they did get off the schneid and get their first win of the season. I will be shocked if Monmouth wins that game. Princeton should be on an eight-game win streak, hosting Circle This One next week. Tuesday night against Iona. Rick Patino and Iona taking on Princeton. Man, I wish that was at the Jadwin Gym. But it is in New Jersey. It's at Kane University. How about that? Little neutral site game right in the middle of New Rochelle and Princeton, 7 p.m. on Tuesday. And Iona, they just picked up one of the best wins of the season. Well, certainly their best win. They knocked off St. Louis and didn't just knock them off on Tuesday night. They embarrassed them. St. Louis, one of the best mid-major programs in the country, one of the best A-10 teams, right up there with Dayton, came to New Rochelle and got blown out. 84-62. to 62. You heard me. Iona beat a very good 8-10 team by 22 points. Rick Pitino is starting to get this team going again. Now, I know it's December. And the MAC championship is not won in December. And nobody knows that better than Rick Pitino as they got upset by Ryder last year in the quarterfinals. This season at Iona will not be a success unless Iona wins the MAC tournament championship and goes to the NCAA tournament representing the MAC. Iona is trending in that direction. Dennis Jenkins, know the name. He is the Gales' best player. He had 21 against the Billikens, and he has a pretty good backcourt mate in Walter Clayton Jr. He had 20. Dennis Jenkins had 21. They rolled over St. Louis. 
Listen to Iona's next four games to close out December. They'll play another A-10 team in St. Bonaventure on Saturday. The Bonnies are way down this year. Very winnable game for Iona. Then Princeton. Then get the frequent flyer miles out, Rick Patino and company. Then they go to unbeaten New Mexico at one of the historic venues in all of college basketball, the pit in Albuquerque, 5,000 feet above sea level. Bring your oxygen masks, bring your water. That is going to be high altitude, high energy, unbeaten New Mexico, taking on Rick Patino and Iona. And then they go to SMU in Honolulu. So Rick Patino knows he's getting his team ready for March. St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, Princeton, New Mexico, SMU. Bring it on. Rick Patino will play you anywhere, anytime. They'll play you at sea level in Hawaii or 5,000 feet above sea level, a mile high in New Mexico. I love it. College basketball. It's December. That'll do it. For this episode of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, December games are exciting. Get out there, watch them. And a reminder, if you like what you hear, give us a review, give us a like, share it with your friends, the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. Enjoy the games, everyone. And as always, my name is Brian DeNovellis. I am so thankful and blessed as Jay Mitch is for having you listen to this podcast. We'll see you next time right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast.